Wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out and leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Most of your audience members are not diehard followers of you and your work. Great exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreAllDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. You are now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get to use those to personal initiative. What is that? That's the go get energy that moves any one of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. Now, today we are on part three of six. We are going to reach the halfway point of me explaining the feminization of sports, why this is happening, when it happened, where it came from, where it is going, and why it should matter to you if you pay attention to sports at all. If you know anyone who is involved in or pays attention to sports, you should be aware of this as well because it's taking everybody on a journey. This is going to be all of society. It's not just going to be limited to the athletes. So before I get into the point number seven here, because we already went through one through three, then four through six in the first two episodes, First of all, let me tell you that I send out a daily motivation text guaranteed to keep you focused, sharp and on point every single day, free of charge. If you want to get it, all you got to do is text me at my number, which is 305-384-6894. Send me a text at that number right now. Every day when I send out that text, you will be on the list. Now, let's get right into it, going right into point number seven, picking up where we left off. So now that we laid the groundwork in the first two episodes of this series, now let's start putting this stuff back together. Here's my theory. This is point number seven. My theory is that because you have more women on these shows, again, many of them not actually offering any substance to the show, but kind of like a hostess, a host of the show. This is pretty much what they're doing and not adding anything to the commentary or the conversation. And because ESPN Disney has jumped more into the feminist and LGBT movements, we know Disney has, it is harder in this space for the men to have traditional sports conversations. The kind of conversation that men have when we're talking sports and there are no women in the room is different than the conversation that men have when there are women in the room. Men who are listening to me right now, can you agree with me? Well, it doesn't even have to be sports. We can take sports out of it. Men, when you are in a room 
with other men and no women, is that conversation different? Is the tone of that conversation different than when you're in a room and there are women present? Even if you're talking about the exact same topic, I think everyone can agree that it is. So at ESPN, it's harder for men to have a traditional type of sports conversation that masculine men would normally have with women sitting there. The conversations become a little bit softer. They are less biting. They are less direct. They are more diverse, including and equitable for all audiences. So the women kind of is kind of like pouring some milk into your black coffee. This is pretty much what it's doing when you put the women into these conversations, especially women who are not there to add to the conversation. They're just there sitting there. ESPN, let's think about it. What does ESPN want to do? ESPN understands that people are cutting the cords. I, for one, have cut the cord. I haven't had cable TV in like seven years. ESPN understands they need to reach more people. They are softening what traditionally was a masculine man only conversation, sports. Again, I'm not saying women can't have sports conversations, but women who can have a sports conversation, you know what I mean when I say a masculine conversation about sports. Uh, a woman has to actually, you got to have some credibility to get in those conversations with the men. The kind of women that ESPN is putting on these shows these days, they can't get in these conversations. They have nothing to offer. But, so what ESPN is doing, there's softening what was traditionally a masculine conversation in order to reach a wider demographic, to reach people who are more feminine, usually women and maybe some gay people. That widens their possible, possible audience. Now, everything that I've said in yesterday's episode and in this first point here today, these are all my personal theory. And I'm explaining to you where I'm getting this theory from. And the reason for this is that fewer people are paying for cable television. As I told you, the cords are being cut. So since there are fewer people paying for cable television, ESPN being a cable network, ESPN is losing subscribers. Any of you who knows anything about what's going on here. So ESPN understands that they are getting their cords cut and fewer people are paying for cable TV. And if any of you don't know how cable TV works, that the reason that your cable bill is what it is. If your cable bill is $70, $100, $50, it's based on which channels you have, right? You can add extra channels. You could get HBO is going to be extra $5. You get Stars the extra $7. You get this one is extra $10, whatever it's going to be. ESPN is part of a basic cable package though. So no matter what you get, even if you don't get any of the premium channels, you get ESPN for the basic price. Everyone understands that. And if you have a cable TV bill, you probably know that. But here's the thing. Each channel on cable TV comes with a certain price. And ESPN comes with a pretty significant price, even though it's part of the basic package. So in other words, if your cable TV package does not include ESPN, your bill would be lower than what it is even right now, even if all you have is the basic cable. So every time someone stops paying for cable, period, ESPN has lost another subscriber and the amount of money that they get from your bill, they no longer receive. So ESPN understands they are in the business of making money. That I do give ESPN credit for that. Understand that they're losing subscribers and you no know, Disney in turn, that's part is their entity. They own ESPN. They understand that they're losing subscribers. They're losing money, but at the same time, they're paying these people, right? All those on-air personalities, those TV deals, like when ESPN shows a sports game on TV, like Monday night football, NBA games, and you no know, sports, they have to pay the entity that is hosting that event. So when ESPN shows a basketball game on TV, they had to pay the NBA for the right to show that basketball game on TV because that's how powerful the NBA is. 
how strong their reach is that they can charge you money to show our game on TV. That's how strong they are. NCAA, the same thing. Whatever ESPN is showing on TV, they have to pay. And the personalities that they have, the people who you know and love that you watch on ESPN, those people get paid. That's their job. So ESPN is paying these people and paying for the right to show these shows. But at the same time, they're losing subscribers. So people like me, I don't pay for ESPN, but I can see what's going on at ESPN by plugging into the Internet or YouTube. I can see a little clip or somebody grabs something and put it on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or something like that. And I can know about it without ever paying ESPN anything. So I can stay informed about what's going on over there without paying them any money. Whereas 20 years ago, if I want to know what was going on, I had to be paying them. Now things have flipped. And ESPN is responding to this by figuring out how can we expand our audience? Again, this is all part of my theory. They're just responding to market factors. How do we reach more people? And if Disney, their agenda already is we're going to push LGBT, ESPN saying, okay, well, let's reach for the LGBT. Let's make this a little bit softer, a little bit more feminine. Maybe we'll grab some of them. And again, I think they're going to keep going until they reach what they need to reach in terms of money that they need to make. Let's move on to point number eight. Today's topic, once again, is we are talking the feminization of sports, where it came from, why it's happening. Number eight, while I do believe it is smart to respond to the market, which is what ESPN is doing, I just said that, there is more than one way to respond to a market. And I don't think the response that ESPN appears to be executing, I don't think this is the right one. And here's the reason why I don't think that I don't think it's the right response. When you chase this new audience, as ESPN is doing, chasing this audience with a more softer, more feminine approach which is what they're doing, again, led by Disney. ESPN is losing its traditional audience. Their traditional audience is masculine, male, hardcore sports. We don't want to hear about social issues. We don't want to hear about politics. We don't want to hear your opinions on the government. We just want to see the sports. We just want to hear you talk about the game. That's it. That's the ESPN traditional audience. ESPN is pushing that audience out as they chase the new audience. Now you got guys crying on TV. Now you have women on the show who have no, they don't serve a purpose other than, again, eye candy, I'm supposing. They're not adding anything to the conversation. They don't have any credibility to speak on the subject. So they're just sitting there listening to the men talk. And now the men can't have the kind of conversation they would traditionally have because it's women in the room. And I just explained, I think all of you agree, there's a different conversation men have when there are women sitting there than if they were having the same conversation with no women around. So ESPN is pushing out their traditional audience while they chase this new audience. What if I told you about audiences? What if I told you? While it is great to have a wide, large, broad audience, you must understand that most of your audience members are not diehard followers of you and your work. Most of them are not. You have a whole bunch of people in your audience. Most of them are not your diehards. Your diehards are a small percentage of whatever your audience is. Whether you got 100 people or 100,000, It's only a small percentage of that number are your diehard fans. Those are the people who are all in on you and all in on what you're doing. You are better off with a small audience of all diehards than a large audience of surface level interest people. ESPN right now is jumping all in on this feminine and LGBTQ thing, and they're turning away their diehards. You see, the men who just want to watch sports, they just want to know what the score is. They want to hear people talk about the game in a manly way, the way that they talk amongst their friends. Those are the diehard ESPN fans. The people that ESPN is attracting right now with this more softer, more feminine approach and being guided down the LGBT path by their parent company, Disney. This is drawing in more people. But the problem is you're pushing out a diehard and drawing in 10, 
surface level people who will leave you as quickly as they came in. This is the problem with this. You're picking up a bunch of surface level people by pushing away your diehard fans, the people who would have jumped in on anything that you did. This is expedient for the moment. It will serve ESPN in the moment. It feels good right now, right? Because some social issue happens, ESPN can jump on it. Now we can talk about it because we got three black people. We're going to talk about what happened when Kyle Rittenhouse, a white guy, shoots three white people in Wisconsin. It's expedient because they can talk about something now. They can be immediate in the moment talking about the thing that's happening now. But long term, this is not a good business strategy. Long term, what you want in your business is not a whole bunch of surface level fans. What you want long term in your business are consistent diehard fans who are all in on everything that you do. You can sustain a business on that. Kevin Kelly wrote an article called 1000 True Fans back in 2008 that became like a viral blog post type of article. And Tim Ferriss got Kevin Kelly to update it and put it in his, I believe it was his the Titans book, Tools of Titans book. Might have been a different one. But Tim Ferriss got Kevin Kelly to update that article. Just look up an article called 1000 True Fans and read it. Everybody, it's a blog post. You can read it for free. Just Google it. And one of the things you got to understand the very concept of 1000 True Fans is you don't need a whole bunch of fans. You just need a small set of diehard fans who are all in on everything that you do. You need to know why they're all in and just give them what they want. You can sustain a business for a lifetime on that. ESPN is basically throwing that to the wind so that they can chase what's popular right now because they're chasing after the liberal agenda because that's what Disney wants and Disney owns ESPN. So these surface level people, again, they will leave just as easily as they came in. They are not all in on what ESPN is traditionally about. They are only paying attention for the moment. And the problem is when ESPN decides to change their direction again and change it again and change it again, they're going to keep losing all the surface fans and they got to pick up new surface fans and ultimately it becomes their like chase betting. All right. So you had these fans. They're going to need new fans. They're going to need new fans. They're going to need new fans. If you stick to your core audience and keep giving them what they want, you don't have to chase anybody. The ESPN is violating a basic business principle by doing what they're doing right now. Let's move on to point number nine. Today's topic, once again, is we are on part three of six of the feminization of sports. Number nine. For the big picture of sports, I'm taking all this time talking about ESPN and Disney because ESPN basically sets the tone for what all of these other networks do. And they set the tone for what's happening when it comes to the world of talking about sports. ESPN is the leader still to this very day, even though I don't like the direction they're going, they're still the leader. For the big picture of sports, it's simply the fact that social media, and this is one of the things ESPN has to respond to, they're more reacting than responding right now, but social media has replaced the traditional values that traditionally govern sports and the participating athletes. This is a very important point because traditionally, the traditional values of sports, again, had nothing to do with color, gender, background, where you're from, who you are, any of that. All I cared about was who's the better player, who won the game, what's the score on the scoreboard. Social media has changed that equation completely. And this is going to lead to a whole other thing that I had to build for you to understand. And we're going to put all these pieces together, folks. It used to be that athletes look to the principles of their sport to decide how to respond to things, how to think, and how to act. In other words, when we're deciding who's better, we looked at the scoreboard. All right, you have more points, you're the better player. You won. That's how it is. That's the principles of sport. Principle of sport is about objectivity, winning, clear measurements, accountability, being on time. In other words, again, what the NAACP called traits of whiteness in America, tongue in cheek, but that is literally what they said. That's what sports is about. And that's how athletes, that's where we got our cues from. All right. Performance-based business. 
Results-based business, same thing, same way every time. Objectivity, standards, measurements, being accurate, formulas. Now, do you notice these words? Don't you hear me saying these all the time? Why? Because the principles that I learned in sports, I still stick to. I still live by and I just took them to the business world. My mind was not warped the way that many athletes' minds have been warped by what has replaced those principles in the minds of many of these athletes. Actually, it didn't replace them. Many of them grew up on these new principles. They didn't grow up the same way that I grew up. They don't think the same way that I think. Many of them are not critical thinkers. So their principles were easily inserted by this new entity that we know as social media. Now, what do I mean by this? And this is a whole other piece. Y'all got to stick with me here because this one is going to get deep, too. This is going to get deeper than the ESPN one. As we get into the end of this one and tomorrow's episode, you'll understand it 100%. Now, when an athlete wants to get their cues, they're trying to draw a conclusion and they have to refer to their own principles. Their principles don't come from sports. Their principles come from their phones. Their principles come from what they see on their social media apps to decide what should I say? What should I not say? How should I present myself to the world is based on what they think social media is going to say about what they say, do and show. Because the people on the other side of that phone on social media, they can push a narrative about a particular athlete and athletes do a lot of business outside of their sports these days. So since athletes do so much business outside of their sports, because they have this whole world outside of just playing their sport, you think 25, 30 years ago, athletes world was just what happened in sports. And you got the media, news reporters and the newspapers. That's pretty much it. Now, what does the athlete have? You play your sport. You do have media, but you don't have to talk to them if you don't want to, because you can be your own media through your phone. And now, because you're your own media through your phone, instead of talking to the 20 reporters who came into the locker room every day after the game, now you got 2 million followers who can respond to everything that you say and leave a comment and make videos about you and make posts about you. Now you got uh, all these different people to respond to. Now you have this whole world of people that you're taking cues from. Instead of just that 20 that you see every day, your teammates and the people you know in person, now you got the whole world to respond to, literally the whole world to respond to through your phone. So social media has opened things up to where you are exposed to more and more people. This is not necessarily a better thing because now you got to pay attention to what everybody's saying. Not just those few people, but everybody. So it used to just be whatever the newspaper said about you, you had to pay attention to because that's all you could hear. Now is whatever anybody with an Instagram account or a YouTube channel or a TikTok has to say about you. Now you can see it all and any one of them can go viral any given day and everybody, quote unquote, everybody is talking about it. Now you got to respond to it. See how things change? You see how things flipped? This is what happened, folks. Uh, we just getting started. Uh, We're going to go far into the social media rabbit hole in a minute. And because of this, and because athletes do so much business outside of their sport, and because now they are influenced by what they see in these apps, much more than they're influenced by the media reporters or even the influences of their own sport and the principles of sport traditionally, which have been torn down again by the liberal agenda, Athletes don't want to be on the, quote, wrong side, close quote, of any topic. So since they don't want to be on the wrong side of any topic, how do they know what the wrong and right side is? You tell me. How does an athlete know what the wrong and right side of a conversation is? Oh, yeah, you guessed it. They pick up that device and they ask themselves, what direction is the wind blowing? The wind is blowing and said, this is wrong. OK, I'm going to come out and say that's wrong. The wind is blowing and said, this is right. OK, I'm going to come out and say that's right. The wind is blowing and says, don't say nothing about that man who decided to be a woman and is on a swim team. I won't say anything, even though I'm an advocate for women's sports, even though I'm about believe all women, even though I'm a girl dad. I won't say anything about that man who became a woman is beating all the women in sports. I'll just be quiet because that's everybody else is being quiet. I'm going to be quiet. This is where they're getting accused from. 
This is what I mean when I say the emasculation of men. This is what I mean when I say feminine men. This is what I mean when I say things are being softened and feminized. And we only just getting started, folks. We only halfway through. We're not even finished. And because now we have generations of people who, unlike me, have been raised on smartphones. I was not raised on a smartphone. I was an adult when social media came out. You got athletes now who were kids when social media came out their whole lives. That's all they know. What is being said through these apps is much more influential to the next that generation than maybe people who were already adults by the time this stuff came around. This includes all people, not just athletes, but we're talking about the feminization of sports. But this very, very much includes professional athletes. And y'all have heard me talk about this stuff many times. Again, this Leah Thomas situation is a, a strong case in point. How did no athlete, all these male athletes who wanted to say all this stuff about advocating for women and defending women and believe all women, and all of this stuff about women, a man decides to become a woman. None of them said a damn word, not one of them. Were they unaware? I mean, they got phones just like you do. ESPN didn't say anything. Do you think ESPN, owned by Disney, pushing an LGBTQ agenda, not saying anything, not doing any programming, not a single show, not a single segment on all those debate shows that they have. They have literal debate shows. They didn't have one debate about this man becoming a woman. None of the shows. They got a bunch of debate shows. They didn't have a single segment on any of them talking about a man becoming a woman and beating on the women in swimming. They talk about everything else they want to talk about, social issues. ESPN, owned by Disney, didn't do a single thing about that, said nothing about it. Do you think that was by accident? I'm going to let you sit on that one as I recap today's class. And tomorrow, oh, tomorrow it gets heavy. Let's recap today's class. Point number seven. Today's topic, again, is part three of six, the feminization of sports. My theory is that because you have more women on these shows, ESPN is more into these feminist movements. It's harder for men to have traditional man conversations that we normally have about sports. The conversation changes when you have women sitting in the room, even if they're not talking. And you're talking about the exact same topic. We don't talk the same way amongst each other when there are women in the room, as we do when there are not men in the room. I think every man in here can 100% agree with that. ESPN is trying to reach more people, I mean, led by Disney, and they are abandoning their traditional audience. I think this is a bad business move. They are responding to the market. I get it. But point number eight, this is a bad business move because they are abandoning the traditional male audience, masculine audience who just wants to watch the game. They don't want to hear about social issues. They don't care about how you lean politically. All they want to know about is what's the score, and what do you think about it? And I want to hear it from men who are qualified and women who are qualified to talk about the sport because they've been doing it for years. Not this whatever you want to call what ESPN and Disney are doing. They're jumping all in on this agenda, this woke LGBTQ feminist agenda. And the good thing is they are drawing people and eyeballs right now in the short term. But in the long term, when they try to come back to those diehard fans, those diehard fans will be gone. They are alienating those diehard fans. This is a bad business move. And point number nine. For the big picture of sports, social media has replaced the traditional values that traditionally govern sports and the participating athletes. Athletes used to look to the principles of sport for their principles. Now they look to the principles of social media. Social media has no principles. Uh, we're going to get into that heavy in tomorrow's episode. And many athletes don't want to be on the wrong side, quote unquote, of any topic, which is why ESPN, owned by Disney, who's pushing the LGBT agenda, said absolutely nothing about this whole Leah Thomas thing as if they didn't know it was happening. They absolutely knew it was happening. But they decided to not make a story out of it, even though they happily made stories out of things that had nothing to do with sports through all of the last couple of years of wokeness and social justice. That is not an accident, folks. And I'm going to tell you exactly where it comes from tomorrow.
Two things for you to do now. First of all, text me, get my daily motivation free of charge straight to your phone. My number is 305-384-6894. And secondly, go to workonyourgameuniversity.com. Join my university so you can work with me direct. And we can get your game where it needs to be. Talking about your mindset, your strategies, the accountability, and the execution. That's at workonyourgameuniversity.com. Work on your game. Dre, all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused, and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number, 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge, 305-384-6894.